Welcome to King Street Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you as much as it has blessed us. If you would like to sow into what God is doing here at King Street Church, head over to kingstreet.church. That's kingst.church. Thanks again for listening, and now on to the message. Would you help me welcome Pastor Matt as we give him dual duty and he comes to preach to us too. I want to be down here with everybody. I don't I want a stool. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'll be all right without a stool. Man, such an honor to be here with you guys uh, this morning. I know many of you were not here this morning, but it was amazing. Um, and I think it's f- funny how David starts, starts out with talking about honor tonight because I really didn't know where I would go. I came with a couple of different things to share. I uh, didn't know if I would share this morning or uh, and this evening or, or what, but I really feel um, that a lot of what I have to say is, is really about honor. That's really what it boils down to. Um, it's about presence, but it's about... Um, and I think it's really cool that there's a bunch of leaders in this house and you have some of your local family, your church family with you. I think that's really special tonight. Um, first off, I just want to uh, say thank you to Luke, who's just been a friend for years. And um, I mean, me and this dude have, we've, he was, he was like my co-pilot when uh, the country church that David was talking about. I was in ministry school and they needed a worship leader. And so me and Luke, every Sunday morning, we'd wake up, hit the road, get some Bojangles and Luke be jamming out to some type of bluegrass music. And I'm trying to get prepared for service. And I'm like, I get in there and I'm like, okay, well, I got that kind of vibe going on. So, um, but anyway, that, that, that season didn't last too long. I I don't think they, uh, too much cared for the, uh, my zeal, I guess it was an older church. And so, but you know what? God bless them. We move right along. Um, but thank you, man. Those, those times are special to me, and it's such an honor to be back in this place with you. And then my connection to David and Amanda is just amazing. Um, through Luke, you guys are just such special people, and it's an honor to know you. And I'm super grateful that you'd allow me to come into your house and lead you guys in worship and then speak into, into this gathering. So um, let's... Uh, D- David mentioned my wife. I'll tell you just a few things about kind of my family. Um, my wife, her name is Paige, and uh, she's just a stay-at-home mom. We're homeschooling for the first year this year. Our oldest boy is uh, going to be in kindergarten. So we got three boys. She's pregnant, and we were, you know, praying. At least I was praying for a girl, and uh, because in my mind, it's like if it's a girl, then we're probably we're probably done. And, uh, well, you obviously, you know, it was not a girl. We went in there and boom, boy. So four boys, um, my spiritual papa, uh, Damon Thompson, he told me, he was like, um, I would say you're, you're working on a basketball team, but with your height, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not possible. So he's always making little pokes and jabs at me. So, um, but we have three beautiful boys, one on the way and life is just good. I mean, it's, it's not... Like church is amazing. This is awesome. But really, I think what what God wants when it all is boiled down is at least, at least this is what I want. And I feel like he wants for me. Am I a good dad and am I a good husband? Man, if you can do that, if it started with a family in a garden, right? Didn't start with a church on a corner and started with a family in a garden. And so. Yeah, I know there are a lot of pastors in the room. There's some people probably with worship gifts in the room, but that's the least important thing about you. It's the least important thing about you. The most important thing is, are you a good dad? Are you a good husband? Are you a good, in your relationships, are you present? You know, you started talking about, a lot of us are crying out for presence, but we don't know how to be present in the moment. And that word presence means face to face. So it's hard for me to, to experience presence if, if I'm distracted and, and, and bouncing around everywhere. So I, I just sow that into you. Um, the, I think the, one of the most important things we can do as kingdom people is just 
be solid with our family, with those around us, with the relationships the Lord has put around us, and all the other stuff is just a cherry on top. The church services and the glory, that, I mean, it's amazing. But really, that's what he wants. He wants a family back in a garden. So um, anyway, that's enough about me. Um, as I was uh, getting ready to come here, David sent me the link to the hotel. And I, I just, uh, there's a couple of little things I just want to throw out there, and then I'll get into what I want to talk about tonight. But I was looking at the hotel, and it said, Virginia is for lovers, 50 years of love. I don't even know what that means. I don't know why it said 50 years of love, but I know 50 years is the Jubilee, right? It's where everything's restored. And I just feel like over this region and over this state that there's a, the lover's Jubilee. Like there's a shift getting ready to happen in this area, and, and it's the lover's Jubilee. So all the things that were lost, forfeited, stolen are going to be restored to the lovers of God. So if you're in that place of where you, you feel like things have been lost, forfeited, or stolen, this is the year that those things be restored to you. But I feel like the Lord said it's to the lovers, lovers of presence, okay? Um, and so that's just a little nugget I released to you. And then this morning, this was so crazy, and um, I don't know if this is for anybody in the room or maybe it was for someone that was here this morning, but this never happens to me, but I woke up wide awake 523 this morning and it was so random never heard of this I heard spongy liver disease and I was like what like I never heard of that I looked it up it's a thing and so I don't know if anybody is in the room with liver disease or knows somebody with liver disease but I feel like the Lord wants to heal somebody of that so just I just want to I don't care if I missed it but is it anybody in the room anybody know anybody with liver disease Boom. Okay. Family, huh? Yep. Yep. So I don't know who I don't know who it is in your family, but I, fe I felt like the Lord said when I wrote it down this morning. He woke me up from a dead sleep, said spongy liver disease. I believe he wants to heal someone with that disease, but more than the healing of the disease, he wants to convince them of his love for them. So more than he wants to heal the disease, he wants to convince them of his love. And I think he wants to convince you of his love. I know, I know you, I just know your husband really well. I've had some history with him and, and I know you guys love the Lord, but he wants to do something in your heart and, and he loves you enough to wake me up at 523 and say, Hey, I care. So Lord, whatever, let's just pray. We're going to pray for that family member. Lord, we just thank you that you care enough about us that you would whisper that. That you would whisper that in the wee hours of the morning, you would whisper that. And tonight, I thank you for your care. It's more than just about the healing of a disease. That will be amazing. But the fact that whoever this is in her family and even for her, Lord, that she would know of your love and that that love would be revealed to her in a real deep way. I thank you for that tonight. And Lord, I thank you that you see her. The Lord says, I see you. I see you're an amazing mother, by the way. I, I see that all over you. You don't have no more striving, no more trying to measure up. You're amazing. You're exactly where you need to be. You're exactly who you're supposed to be. And I just speak grace over you. I know what it's like to have three little boys running around the house and they're stair steps. It's crazy. But I just speak grace over you. Grace over you to be a mom. That's enough. That's what the Lord says. That's enough for me. You just be a good mother. And he sees you. You're special. You're loved. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. I don't want to move too quickly. When these waters start flowing, I don't care if I say anything that I came here to say. Lord, we just open up to you tonight. I thank you for your love and your care that is in this room. My Holy Spirit, I thank you for your sweet, tender whispers that come. <clears throat> Help us not to ignore those. Help us not to overlook those, Lord. It would have been real easy for me just to turn back over and go to sleep, and I thank you that you didn't let me do that today, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, for your presence. We thank you, Abba, for your presence. We thank you for your love. Come reveal your love in this room. Make yourself real to us. Make the fatherhood of, G of 
Jesus, come and make the fatherhood of Abba real to us in this moment. <clears throat> you are dad. You are dad to us. You are where we come from. You're where we come from. I don't care if you've wandered from him. I want to tell you today that he is your source. He's the creator and sustainer of life. And, and he's just drawing you back to where you belong. He's drawing you back to home. The home in his heart. Thank you for that, Lord. All right. So let's see if we can move on here. Whew. Man. I get swirled out sometimes, y'all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, as I was get, I was I was traveling up here. Let me grab my phone because that's, if I read anything, it'll probably be off of here. Um, as I was travel, I, I tell you the way it started. I was thinking about the songs I, I I might would sing when I came. And how many of you know the old song, uh, "Show Me Your Face," Don Potter? Show me your face, Lord. Show me your face, gird up my legs that I might stand your holy place. And it talks about that one of the verses says, uh, Moses stood on the mountain waiting for your glory to pass by. You put your hand over his face so in your presence he wouldn't die. And I started thinking about that story. And there's, I don't feel to read it because it's like super long, but you can go read it. I'll give you the two references, Exodus 19, and then again it's in Exodus 32. Um, <clears throat> two different times the Lord calls him up to, to the mountain of presence. And I was just thinking about that story and I went back and read it. And what happens there is Moses is called up to a higher place. He, so they, they've come out of Egypt. They've been set free. They're out of bondage. They're into the wilderness. And then the Lord calls him up to the mountain of presence and then what he tells him is like, have all the congregation of Israel come and sit around the base of the mountain. And um, I want you to go up, but they can't come up. They have to stay at the, the bottom of the mountain. And, but when, when you hear the sound of the ram's horn, there was, all the congregation was supposed to stay around the base of the mountain, but there was another group of people that were invited up. You know, um, I believe it was um, Joshua, I think, his assistant that was invited to go up with him. And so it wasn't just Moses. It was, there was another group of people and <clears throat> that was, at the very least, supposed to be sitting around the mountain listening to the voice of the Lord. Okay. Well, how many of you know the story of what happens? Moses is up there for 40 days and 40 nights, and they get the children of Israel, that whole Exodus story, complaining, grumbling, like, you know, who is this dude leading us out? Like, what are we doing? And so you know the story. They're up there for 40 days, and they get sick and tired of waiting. And so they go to Aaron, and they're like, hey, we want you to build us a god. We don't know what happened to this dude, Moses. He's up there on the mountain. That's too scary. They said if we touch the mountain, they're going to shoot us or stone us or something. Like they were told that they would die. This, this is too much. So why don't you go <clears throat> form, form us a God? And so what they did is they took the earrings that they had gotten as it was their inheritance as they left Egypt, right? So they're, in, they're slaves. They're in bondage for like years the Lord sets them free and, and gives them the blessing of all the gold, all the wealth of Egypt. They leave with it. And what do they do with it? They turn that blessing into a God and they get stuck. So they, they have Aaron melt all that gold down. They for, it forms the image of a calf and they worship it. And Moses <clears throat> hears it from the mountain. He's like, what? Uh, I think Joshua says, there's a sound of war in the camp. And Moses is like, no, this is a sound of singing and dancing. And they get down and these people are going crazy around this golden calf. And um, let me just get into to some of my notes. They were brought to the wilderness to worship. So when, when, when Moses comes to Pharaoh, he says, let my people go so they may go into the wilderness to worship me. 
But they became impatient with Moses. When Moses went up to meet the Lord and receive direction for the congregation of Israel, they were at the base of the mountain looking for other gods. So Aaron fashioned a golden calf for them to worship. Their hearts were not totally rebellious, though. This was crazy to me. Exodus 32, verse 5, Aaron says, uh, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. So there was a little bit of mixture there. So they create this golden calf, but he says, tomorrow we're going to have a feast of the Lord and we're going to worship this golden calf. There is danger in the mixture, however. Our idolatry can be so subtle. You can, you can slip into idolatry without, not even, without even realizing it so many times, especially if it's dressed with the trappings of religion, especially if we're saying tomorrow's a feast to the Lord. They took what God had done for them in the past and they fashioned a God out of it. The God they worship was made of all that God had done in the past. So I, I feel like there's some old saints in this room and you've been, you've like, God has set you free from some stuff, huh? Like some junk, right? But I want to, I want to tell you today that yes, continue to be thankful, but don't stop there. Don't, don't, don't settle in this religious posture of saying, you know, that's enough and I'm good. They, they were okay with being out of Egypt, but when God asked them to come a little higher, they said, no, we're going, we're going to take what he's given us and we're going to make that our God. And so, so many times we take the blessings of God and we turn the blessings of God into God and then, and he's jealous. How many of you know he's jealous that we not do that? So... <clears throat> Egypt becomes bondage, right? If you stay too long. That's Damon Thompson in my ear all the time. Egypt becomes bondage if you stay too long. The wilderness becomes comfortable if you stay too long. They wandered for 40 years, right? In the, in the wilderness. Yesterday's encounter can become, can become today's and tomorrow's separation. If we're just living off of yesterday's encounter, it can become today's and tomorrow's separation. Yesterday's bread can rot in your stomach and you'll starve to death if you think one meal was enough. Don't be satisfied with just being free from Egyptian bondage. Don't be satisfied with just being healed in your body. Don't be satisfied with just being free from drug addiction. Be thankful, but don't be satisfied. Okay? Be thankful, but don't be satisfied. There's more. Um, Israel wandered in the wilderness because of the hardness of their hearts. They were provided for in the wilderness. They saw miracles in the wilderness. They were free from Egypt in the wilderness, but they were still in the wilderness. The wilderness was never meant to be the homestead. It was a place of testing and learning. And what did they learn in the, what were they supposed to learn in the wilderness? Learn to worship, learn to, I, as I was thinking about this, this morning, um, this, uh, and I didn't even know that I'll get into some of this. I didn't even know that this one scripture was a part of this chapter, but, uh, song of songs eight came to me and it says, um, the bridegroom King says, who is this coming from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? Okay. Coming from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved. I think anytime we go through wilderness times, seasons of wilderness, it's to teach us one thing, to learn to lean on him and depend on him. Um, and, and, but, but you're not supposed to stay there. You're supposed to come out of the wilderness leaning on your beloved. I think I want to read Song of Songs chapter 8. Can we do that? Thank you, Lord. Let's see. I'm going to do it in the Passion Translation. I like that. <clears throat> Song, of, Song of Songs, chapter 8, uh, Passion Translation. Let's read it. I'm, I'm going to start in verse 1. If only I could show everyone this passionate desire I have for you. If only I could express it fully, no matter who was watching me, without shame or embarrassment. I long to bring you to my innermost chambers, this holy sanctuary you have formed within me. Oh, that I might carry you within me. I would give you the spiced wine of my love, this full cup of bliss that we share. 
we would drink our fill until his left hand cradles my head while his right hand holds me close. We are at rest in this love. Promise me, brides to be, by the gentle gazelles and delicate deer that you'll not disturb my love until is, uh, he is ready to arise. And then here's, here's verse five. Who is this one? She arises out of her desert. Or uh, I think New King James would say, who is this coming from the wilderness, clinging to her beloved? When I awakened you under the apple tree as you were feasting upon me, I awakened your innermost being with the travail of birth as you longed for more of me. That's the place we were in tonight. I'm just hungry for him, man. I just want more of him. I just want more of him. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. I'm going, to, I'm going to read this whole thing because there's a part I want to get to. It says, my brothers, this is a Shulamite bride. It says, my brothers said to me when I was young, our sister is so immature. What will we do to guard her for the day of her wedding? The bridegroom king says, we will build a tower of redemption to protect her. Since she is vulnerable, we will enclose her with a wall of cedar boards. And here's the bride. But now I have grown and become a bride, and my love for him has made me a tower of passion and contentment for my beloved. I am now a firm wall of protection for others, guarding them from harm. This is how he sees me. I'm the one who brings him bliss, finding favor in his eyes. My bridegroom king has a vineyard of love made from a multitude of followers. His vineyard of love is made from a multitude of followers. His caretakers of this vineyard have given my beloved their best. But as for my own vineyard of love, I give all the glory to you. And here's the part I thought was, I did not know this was in this chapter today. And it says, I will give double honor to those who serve my beloved and have watched over my soul. So I, I feel what I felt today coming, coming into this and, and really to speak into King Street, but I think it's special that there are other leaders in the house. Um, the Lord, so you spoke that the oil runs from the head down and there the Lord is inviting these, you, you leaders in this room to a higher place in him. And, and I, so I see that happening, especially in, in you just because of my connection with you. There's just a longing for more of him, man. You guys have a special man as a pastor in this house. There's a lot of people that can preach and there's a lot of people that can teach and there's a lot of people that can, they can do the day-to-day -day pastoring, like loving on people and meeting with people. But to have a man who's just hungry for God, that's a, that's a big deal. And I hope you realize that. That's a really big deal. And... This dude gets wrecked this morning. Can't even talk. He's crying. I'm like, well, well I mean, what am I going to do? I just kept playing, <laughs> kept singing and let him have his time. But I told my wife today what happened. I was like, David just got blasted and he was worthless and handing the mic to everybody else. <laughs> um, I told her that and she said, well, you tell those people to get ready because the oil flows from the head down. That's the first thing she told me. And, and so I just want, and even you churches that are connected to, I, I don't know the way, how all this happened or like, I think it's amazing that a regional gathering has happened. That's such a big deal because that's not happening. And in a lot of places that does not happen. And I, and I, I celebrate that, that you guys would operate in the humility to come, come here and, and just be like, you know what, we're, we're going to go after God together. But Man, for you and for all the other leaders in this house, his presence is enough. His presence is enough. It, it will do it. 
whatever it is that that you feel like God's speaking to you for your city or for your church or your congregation. Listen, if you will fix your eyes on this one thing, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all the other things will be added unto you. So I just want to encourage you to continue leaders, continue to go after the Lord and and let it be the only thing. Yes, there's other things that have to be done. I, I like I'm learning that very well. So my story is I led worship in, in the Carolina revival with with Damon for, you know, what was it? Eight years, Luke. I've been in Saluda for 10 years. And and so I was just a worship leader. Well, many of you know, Damon has transitioned to to Mobile. And now it's like, OK, it's time for you to step up, big boy. There's, there's, there's a lot more to do than just play that piano and sing. And, uh, and so I'm learning. Yeah. Like I get it. There's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of stuff day to day that has to take place. But I know this, it cannot take the place of his presence. As soon as you, as soon as you start looking to the people, it's, it's the contrast between the Zadok priesthood and the Levite priesthood. The Levites were always looking at the people, and that dictated how they responded to God. But the Zadok priesthood looked at the face of God before they looked at the face of people. And I feel like that's what God is wanting to do in a region and in a group of people. Let's look at his presence, and then a lot, you'll, you'll realize this. I'm, I'm finding this out. If you just go after presence, then a lot of the yan yan and the drama and all the church junk will get dealt with if, you, if you'll just go after him. And so to the leaders, I encourage you, listen, I know I'm learning. You probably know more than I do. I know. But I will say this. Presence fixes everything and nothing, nothing else will. His presence will fix it all. And so, but to the, to the people that I feel like if, if you're a leader and you've got some of your congregation with you in this room, they're probably pretty tight, right? They're probably like, you, you have these fringe people, but then you have people that are like, Hey, I'm in whatever God's telling you, man, I'm, I'm, I'm all the way I'm in, Well, let's do this thing. I want to encourage you to not be the people who sit around the mountain and then get aggravated because your leaders up on the mountain or get bored or be like, okay, enough of that presence deal. What's next? Well, there is nothing next. Well, I know we had, we've been having these prayer meetings and, uh, so when are we going to, when are we going to go get out in the community and you get out in the community, just go. Just whatever, wherever you go, just, just shine your light. Like, like don't wait on him to, to do whatever God's telling you to do. And, and don't get, don't sit around the base of the mountain while he's up on the mountain of presence. Because now Jesus, the perfect high priest has created a way that now it's not just one leader that goes, we're all invited to go boldly before the throne of grace. And so, but there is an order to this thing. The oil does flow from the head down. And so I know for this house, get ready. Get ready. The, the, the Lord knows everything you need. He, know, he, he knows positions that you need. All the things that you need, he, he's not taken by surprise at your need. But the one thing that you can do is just go after him. Just go after him. And I don't have a lot more to say to you than that. You know, sometimes we expect a man of God to get up here and be like, please blow my mind with the scripture. No, you already know what to do. You already know what to do. And I feel, I, I know some of you are already doing that, but I want to stir that up in you. I want to stir that up in you to back to first love. Um, so, revel, uh, uh, let me see. I didn't know if I would go here, but I, I'm going to go here. Thank you, Lord. Revelation, I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. Revelation chapter two, verse one. 
um, write the following to the messenger of the congregation of Ephesus. For these are the words of the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know all that you've done for me. You've worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not, for they were imposters. I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name, yet you have not become discouraged. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. I will, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. First, first, the connection between first love and first works. So there's a practical thing to this, I believe. It's as those fire, that flame of first love begins to rekindle in you. I know for me, this is what's happening in me personally. He's blowing up on that flame of first love. Let me just, I just feel to tell you some of my story. For, for those eight years of revival, I mean, it was happening in our, in our church. Like, it, I mean, <laughs> people were moving from all over the nation it was rocking and rolling, amazing preaching, like God moving in the place. And life was good. Life was really good. And life was really easy for me. And then the Lord asked our leader to, to move down to Mobile. And I felt like the Lord told me that I was to stay put. And so in that moment, I, I was... A lot of things that I would have said before this happened, no, they're not crutches. I don't depend on him in a way that I shouldn't. I don't depend on all these people being in the room and going after God because it's real easy. When you have a room full of people that just want one thing, it's like you can get up there and play Yankee Doodle and it's like, boom, <laughs> presence of God comes. I mean, like, don't be fooled. Like, you know, yes, there are giftings and anointings, but the hunger in the room is a really big deal. It makes it really easy. I'm just, I'm not going to lie to you. There are times where it's hard and yeah, you have to press in, but for the most part, it's like phew, rocket ship to the moon. Um, but then, so all this happens and the transition happens and the Lord starts removing these little crutches and he says, okay, am I enough for you? And I had to say, man, I wish you were, <laughs> but obviously you're not, or I wouldn't be freaking out the way I'm freaking out. And then there's a deeper question that comes after that one. It's not only am I enough for you, but now am I all you want? Are you still searching for some other crutches to fill your life? Are you still searching for something to fill that void? Do you still want to get in there and have just good church services or do you just want me? And so those were hard questions that the initial answer was no, but the, the addendum to that was no, but I, I want you to be enough. Am I all you want? No, but I want you to be all I want. And just that, so first love and first works, he, in that moment, oh man. In that moment, man, when I was just honest and I said no, but I want you to be, the wind of his presence began to blow on that old flame in my heart where it was just me and him. When I was a kid and I had a little Radio Shack keyboard in my room and I would stay up hours trying to learn worship. I, I would steal sheet music from the worship team in the church. When they'd shut the building down, I'd go up there as a kid and rob all their sheet music and I'd come back home. I was obsessed, obsessed with his presence. And I'd, I'd, I'd get that little Radio Shack keyboard. And I'd just play for hours and I lay in the floor and I cry and I turn a CD on I look like a fool dancing in my room by myself going after him <laughs> if I was sore from football I'd be laying hands God heal me right now <laughs> you know all the passion man and if we're not careful we grow out of that and that is a shame
Isn't it sick that we think we could just figure this thing out and we turn it into a system and we're like one, two, three, four, and boom, we're done. I remember the days, man, where it was just like that song said earlier that we sang, just an altar and a flame. And I feel like what the Lord wants to do, leaders and 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 family that are joined, he just wants to bring us back to that place of first love. When it when when you first got touched by him, when that flame first started burning in your heart, he he's bringing you back to that. And there there are some things that you said no to in religion that you've learned to just like uh, this is what I do, this is what I do. That he's going to ask you to say no to out of love because first love is going to start working in your heart again. There's some things you, that I've said yes to in religion, like fasting, praying, all Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, but there, um, so yeah, there are things I said yes to in religion, prayer, fasting, worship, all that stuff. I did it just it, at, so, at, at one point in time, you get to the place where you do, this is just what I'm supposed to do. So that I, I do this, but he's bringing me back to a place of like, I want you to do this. He's not even asking me to, it's just happening. I just want to. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't, I'm not doing it because I feel like I have to. I just want to do it. There's nothing else I want to do right now but then get in a room with a group of people and love on him. That's all, like, me and my wife, that's all we want to do. Like, we talk about it every day. It's like, I wonder if we should just call everybody and see if they want to go up to the church. And we're probably about to start doing that. (laughs) Like, come on, we're going to be there. If y'all want to come, come. We're going to just get in there and go after him. And... I I feel like if I have anything to give you guys, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to come in here and and preach you into a frenzy. That's not me. But I feel the one thing I... God sent me here to give you is just the grace to return to your first love and to be obsessed with him and to have eyes only for him. So Lord, would you just grant that in this place tonight? Would you just give us that tonight, Lord? Because even my love for you is a gift. I couldn't I couldn't stir this thing up if I tried, Lord. Just open up your heart and let him do that right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've left your first love, but repent and come back and do your first works over. Come on, let's just do this. Let's just, uh, where we were at in worship earlier, just putting our eyes and our attention on him. Let's just begin to do that all over the room right now. Jesus, you're beautiful. Jesus, you're wonderful. 
Who's like you, Lord? Who's like you, Lord? Who's worthy? Nobody but you, Lord. Nobody but you. Yeah. Come on, that's okay. If you want to sing out, if you want to begin to cry out, that's fine. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We want you. We want you. Stir up hunger in this company, Lord. Stir up hunger in this company, Lord. And in this region, we just ask, Father, that a fresh hunger would be released in our hearts and in our lives, Lord. Just more of you that cry for more of you. More, Lord. More, Lord. Increase your presence in this moment right now. Increase the measure of your presence in this room. Increase the measure of your presence in this room right now, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Yeah, thank you, Father. Oh, Fresh fire, Lord, right now. Fresh fire right now, Lord. Fresh fire right now, Lord. More, Lord, more, Lord, more, Lord, more, Lord, more, Lord. More, Lord, more, Lord. More, Lord, more, Lord, more of you. More of you, more of you. Do it, Lord. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba. Let the oil flow from the head down. Let the oil flow from the head down. Let the oil flow from the head down. If you don't have oil on you, it's probably because you're out of alignment. And so if you don't feel anything tonight, I want you to check your heart and see if you're in alignment. Lord, search me and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Let the oil flow tonight, Lord. Let the oil flow tonight, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When the, when the woman broke her alabaster box on Jesus' feet, you know, it's crazy. He left smelling like that oil that day, but she left smelling exactly the same way he smelled. Come on, and if you'll just break your box open at his feet, you're going you're gonna to go into the culture, and they're going to be like, wait a second, who is that? What, was, what did I just smell? That smelled like Jesus. Well, what did what, what he just say? Who is, like, I, that sounds like I just heard Jesus. And if it, listen, friend, this is the key to the kingdom, is to be lovers at his feet. Let our influence only be found from the position of at your feet. At your feet. At your feet, Lord. Give us undistracted devotion. Give us dependence upon you. Yeah, we're just going to wait on him. Might pray a little bit, might read a little bit. Who knows what we're going to do? Let's just wait on him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Radical pursuit provokes offense in the hearts of those who do not see Jesus rightly 100% of the time. 
So as you get ready to go down this road of radical pursuit, know that it's going to provoke offense in the hearts of those who don't see him rightly. It does it 100% of the time. The story of Bartimaeus, the story of uh, Mary of Bethany, the story of the woman with the alabaster box. In Mark 10, the crowd was indignant with Bartimaeus. In Luke 10, Martha was exasperated, irritated, and frustrated with Mary. In Matthew 26, the disciples were offended because of the woman pouring her oil on Jesus' feet. But I want to be set free from the opinion of men who don't see him the way I see him. There are people in your life, they don't see him the way you see him. And if you listen to their opinions, you'll never go after him. I want to be set free from the opinion of men who don't see him the way I see him. I want to be the one leper that returns with thanksgiving. That's the key to wholeness. To behold him and to return time and time again with gratitude. Like Bartimaeus, I want to cry out all the more. Like Mary in the house of Martha, I want to sit at his feet and inherit the privilege of being undistracted. Like Mary in the house of Simon, I want to walk straight up to Jesus and break open the box of my heart and pour costly oil on his feet. Don't let anyone talk you out of your pursuit of Jesus and be very careful not to talk yourself out of your pursuit of him. Sometimes the voice of the crowd is your own voice. Sometimes the Martha in our heads talks us out of the Mary in our hearts. Sometimes the religious disciples live deep in our hearts and they scorn the extravagant worshiper in us. I read that again. Don't let anyone talk you out of your pursuit of Jesus and be very careful not to talk yourself out of it. Sometimes the voice of the crowd that surrounded Bartimaeus and told him, hey, shut up, stop crying out. Sometimes that voice lives in, inside of you. Sometimes the Martha in our heads talks us out of the Mary in our hearts. All I want to do in my heart is sit at his feet, but sometimes I get distracted in my head. I become Martha. and I. So in that story, Jesus is in Martha's house. It says it was Martha's house that he came into. So Jesus is in the house. But she's worried about all the other people that are in the house. She's trying to make sure they're okay. And I'll tell you what you have in a David Malcolm. You got a Mary. You don't have a Martha. He loves you, but I know this man is more obsessed with the feet of Jesus than he is obsessed with what's going on around in the house. And, and that is your inheritance if you'll receive it. Sometimes the Martha in our heads talk us out of the Mary in our hearts. And then, so, you know, the story of the woman who broke the alabaster box. There were, really, Judas was in the room. And he was saying, man, we could do a lot more with this oil. We could do a lot more with this time. We could do a lot more with this ministry than for it just to be sitting here and just be wasted on, on him. Like, what are we doing? Do you know that the name Judas is a derivative of the name Judah? And Judah means praise. And so when, when Judas comes and, and kisses Jesus... To worship, a picture of worship is to kiss. And so the one who was supposed to be leading in praise, the one who was supposed to be in, in the congregation of Israel, like the story of Israel, when they would go to battle, they'd send Judah out first. They'd send, send the worshipers out first. And it is, it's a shame that Sometimes the, the very ones who are so, supposed to be going after it and, be, and, and pouring it out, we betray him with a kiss. We betray him with a kiss. And I don't want to do that. I don't want worship to ever be what's in it for me. But Judas is in that room and he sees the extravagance of her worship and he's like, we, there's something better we could do with this oil. We could be taking care of the poor. We could be doing all, we could be feeding the hungry. And Jesus is just looking for somebody that says, you know what? Yes, there's a lot of other things that we could be doing. But the one thing I want to do is just pour it out all on you. He is worth it. 
Ask Bartimaeus who received his, sight, received his sight and followed Jesus. Ask Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus and inherited a memorial stone anywhere the gospel is preached. Can you imagine that? Anywhere the good news is preached. I'll tell you this, you hadn't heard the good news until it ends with you sitting at his feet. That is the memorial stone that she was given. You've not heard the good news unless it ends with you sitting at his feet. That is the memorial stone. I always wondered, Lord, I've heard the gospel preached everywhere, but I never heard this chick's name be brought up. What do you mean by that? Like it will be a memorial stone to, to her everywhere the gospel's preached. Well, I believe when the true gospel is preached, she can't help but show up in, in whoever receives that word. Because when, when that truth really strikes your heart, the only thing you want to do is be like, right here at your feet. That's all I want. So let's just pray one more time for that hunger and that passion to come. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for the grace in this moment. And I just release that. I thank you for a shift even in this community and even in these, these regional gatherings, Lord. That the emphasis and the focus, I, I know it's been on presence, but Lord, I ask that a greater measure of your presence would visit this region and every church that is represented in this house tonight, that just an overflow and an outpouring of your presence would come and that it would shake everything up, that it would offend religious people and that it would call the lovers of God home. Let it offend the religious and let it call the true lovers of God home. The Lord's going to be, begin to send those who the who most churches would be like uh-uh no that's too much he's going to begin to send those people into your congregations and and there's going to be a measure of presence that begins to break out because of it and the ones who are just there to see what they can get and they're there just because they're supposed to be they're going to get really aggravated and they're going to get really bored but i'm telling you man it's worth the shift of just saying your presence is enough your presence is enough restore that to the center of our churches lord just your presence let your throne be the center the pivot point the thing that our whole lives revolve around let it be your face and your presence lord thank you for it jesus i thank you for your your goodness toward us. Thank you for what you've done this whole day, Lord. And you're just, it's just a special time. Thank you that you love us, that you care.